0: Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and clarity of speech. I ask that, O oh Lord, um, let your voice be heard through this sermon. I hide myself behind the personality of the Holy Spirit, who himself is the master teacher and who will lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I trust that we are all doing well this Wednesday evening. Thank you all for joining. Uh, Last week, we looked at Paul's interesting discoveries that led to him having new desires. So we had seven points. So our scripture reading was from verses 7 to 11, I believe. And, you know, Paul made some interesting discoveries, two interesting discoveries which led to him having new desires. And from verses seven to eight, we looked at the two discoveries. One, he discovered that all things that were gained to him were dank, they were rubbish. So You're talking about rubbish. You're not talking about the rubbish that you throw in. That's, you know, Paul is talking about something more degrading and more base than just rubbish, pure rubbish that we see in the kitchen. All that is, is, is done. And last two weeks, if you do remember, on the backdrop of verses 1 to 6, Paul talked about things he could boast of. You know, he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is from the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. He's circumcised. He had many things that to him were again. But once he came into Christ, he realized that all these things were done. And one of the things Paul realized, last two weeks, was that it is in relationship that you experience true joy. And when you read Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus. There is no joy in religion. So Paul was a religious man, but now Paul graduated from religion to relationship with Christ, where he experienced true joy. Out of that, he he made two important discoveries. All these things that I used to boast myself with, I am a Pharisee. When he says I'm a Pharisee, he's saying I'm educated. I boasted myself of that. It's dank compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. The second discovery um, um, Paul found out was the righteousness from God, which is of faith. Paul knew of one righteousness because he was a lawyer or he was a Pharisee. You know, those days and they call you a lawyer, a lawyer meant you dealt with the law. The law, that, that's what, you know. And Paul realized that, oh, there is another kind of righteousness. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to obey the 613 commandments. You know, the law was 613 commandments. Whereas the 10 were popular but there were 603 other laws that were included, right? So, you know, I don't have to obey all the 613 laws before I can be considered blameless in the law. All that I have to do is just to receive this righteousness, which is of God, and believe by faith. I am the righteousness of God. That's it. Just believe in Jesus Christ. So that was the second discovery. And then out of that, it led them to new desires. He had new desires. He had five desires. That's from verses 10 to 11. The first desire is that he wants to know Christ. Wow, I want to know this man. This man has given me joy. This man has graduated me from... a uh, uh, um a religion of lifeless rituals and traditions to whereby now Christianity has now become personable because of a relationship I have with him. And I want to know him more. Another law, no Pharisee wanted to know God more. They were just okay with the law. Let's obey the law. But this is more personable. I want to know Christ more. The second thing was, a desire to understand the significance of resurrection, that I may know the power of his resurrection. And believe, it, if you are listening to me, one of the most important topics we all have to understand is the power of resurrection. It makes a difference, it, it really informs uh, the trajectory of your Christian walk with God. Amen. Uh, I'll advise you that if you want to know more, one of the scriptures you can read is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58 verses, it talks about the power of resurrection. Amen. Number three, Paul says that I desire to suffer for the gospel. And that's why he says that, that I will be a partaker of the fellowship of his suffering. So I'll suffer for the gospel because during Paul's Uh, context and and in this era um, being a christian meant many persecutions and paul was saying because of the joy that i've experienced in this newfound relationship with christ i don't mind suffering i'll suffer for the gospel's sake that's a desire and the fourth desire was i will be conformed to his death being conformed to his death talks about being a new creation. because when Paul is talking about I'm um, conformed to his death, when when Christ died, we died. we died all our uh, the old man, the old man of sin, Adam died, and then it gave way to newness of the spirit man in Christ Jesus. So when Paul is talking about being conformed to his death, he's basically talking about my old man has been crucified that now I can live. and the book of Romans, does a good job talking about what it means being conformed to his death, about the new creation. Paul desire to know more about that. And number five, that he will be part of the resurrected. He just doesn't want to understand the significance of the events. He has a deeper desire to be part of the resurrected. That's why he said, that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not just important to know about the events. I want to be part of it. Amen. So tonight we'll wrap up chapter 3 by looking at the last uh, 11 verses. Of course it's verse 12 to 21, I believe. Which has more to do with Paul's fifth desire. So the last verses of chapter 3 is just going to expatiate what does it mean when Paul says that I'm attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And now one thing that we all have to understand that joy in Christ is what is making Paul go all out. Joy. So the thing that we can get from here is that until you have experienced true joy in Christ, you will not be prepared to go all out in your Christian work and Christian faith. So are you going all out or are you reserving? Are you, are you tracking back?
1: But uh, it, might, it might be the absence or the presence of joy. So instead of trying to proper people like do more for God, uh, be serious for God,
0: I, I think where we have to start from is pray that the person will really experience joy. And you can only experience joy by knowing Christ. And when you know Christ... Nobody will tell you to go all out. Amen. So Paul even looks like a fanatic. Even when I read this, he he looks more like a fanatic, you know. But the reason why Paul is able to go all out is because of the presence of joy. And then one of the things that we will understand here is another aspect of joy. Looking forward to the coming of the Lord. When you and I are not looking forward to the coming of the Lord. We can't say that we truly have Christian joy. We call Christian joy, oops. Christian joy rejoices at the prospects of Christ coming back for his church. Amen. So we're gonna read about that. So let's start, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. So Paul, the man who had planted churches who was an apostle to the Gentiles, uh, who uh, Peter even attested that this man's letters are weighty, and they are hard to understand. Paul, who did many miracles, I mean, even a, a viper bit him and he didn't die. He just shook it like this and it went into the fire. This is the Paul I'm talking about. And Paul is saying that I have not attained. I
1: haven't. Or am I already perfected? But I press on. I press on.
0: So Paul is against complacency here. Paul is saying that I've not done anything. I just want to move forward. I want to press on. And in our Christian walk and faith, we have to develop that attitude to just press on. Don't rest on yesterday's laurels. Don't rest on what we used to do. There are some people, their testimony is what we used to do. I, I, knew, I knew one Christian brother like that in UK. He was always talking about what I used to do and not focus on the present. Because he had really backslidden. But he was coming to church, he was in the motions. I was talking what we used to do. What we used to do, what we used to do. That's all. That is all the conversation. And what we used to do was in the '80s. It's not even last week, it's only last month, it's many decades ago, in the '80s. In the '80s, we used to do this. In the '80s, we used to go for witnessing, but what are you doing now?" I remember I used to tell, "What are you doing now? We are in the 2000s, brother, what are you doing now? Press on. Press on. When, when we are striving in our relationship with God, we have to press on. We have to move on. We have to move on. And what are we moving on towards to? We have to move on to what Christ has for us. Paul says that, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold
1: of me. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection here. The boy say, I'm striving. I'm striving. It's not just enough to understand the significance of resurrection.
0: Press. Press so that you will attain to the status of being part of the resurrection.
1: So Paul say, I press on. And one of the things that will help us to press
0: on is believing that we haven't yet attained. Because if Paul believes he has attained, he wouldn't press on. So as a Christian, please don't believe too much in your advertisements. You drink your own advertisement or your own Kool-Aid, you you would die a very slow death. He didn't believe in any of that. Paul at this time, he had planted many churches. He had planted many churches. At this time, he had preached to almost half of the Gentile world. It was said that at this point, Paul had been 25 years in the faith. And look at how he's talking. I haven't achieved anything. I haven't perfected. And Paul's 25-year span is a lot. It's a lot to cover. Not so many. Raise that Timothy. He has sons in the ministry. Yeah, he says, I haven't attained or oh, not that I'm saying I am perfected. I want to attain to the status of being part of the resurrection from the dead. But I haven't
1: attained that status. I'm not yet perfected. But I am pressing on. Do you know what we let you press on? The ingredients is joy. Where well, you have a relationship with Christ... Which out of it comes joy, you will be able to press on. You will press on. You will press on. And we should be like our savior. Do you know that our savior also pressed on? That's why the Bible says that we
0: should look unto the author, the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus, who for the
1: joy that was set before him, endured the other cross. Christ pressed on. He pressed on,
0: went to Golgotha to die a very shameful death. That's pressing on. Why? Because of the joy that was set before him. So I believe that Christians, once we begin to develop that fruit of joy in us, that will be enough motivation to press us on to attain to perfection. Otherwise, if you don't have that, Christianity is going to be a chore. It's going to be a task. But it has to move from being a chore and a task to being my responsibility.
1: Necessity is laid upon me. If you don't see it like that, but you can't see it like that.
0: You can't see it like that if joy is not evident. Amen. So Paul, because he had experienced joy through his relationship with Christ, he was prepared to pay any cost necessary just to attain to the status of perfection, which is being part of the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see? So Paul is saying that I haven't achieved anything. I just have one thing. And the one thing I do I first and foremost have to forget about all the things that are behind and reach forward. So Paul is is in prison. Mind you, he's in prison, but he's saying that I'm pressing on. Each and
1: every day, I am striving on. Each and every day. And number one, how do you press on?
0: I believe that those five desires culminated means we are pressing on. Knowing Christ, understanding the significance of the event of resurrection, uh, suffering for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, being conformed to his death, which means that understanding who you are in Christ positionally, and, and positionally we are, the new creation of God. And then that will culminate in us
1: now attaining to the resurrection of the dead. So Paul is saying, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on because of what is ahead. So Paul
0: at this stage is not really relying on reputation. He's not relying on reputation. He's not relying on what he has achieved. But he's just pressing on so that he will reach the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to understand there is a price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It should be every believer's goal. It should be every believer's goal. You see, if you don't have joy, you will not have this goal. But today, we have let this goal be replaced with many other goals. And it's okay to have goals. But this has to be the ultimate and the main goal. And what is the goal? That you will get the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's why it's important for us to study joy from the book of Philippians. Because a part of you saying, I am joyful, is that you strive towards that. And striving towards the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus means you are ready to meet God at the event of the resurrection. You can't tell me if you are not expectant to meet God at the event of the resurrection, you can't tell me you have joy. Your know, joy is not made perfect. Our joy is made perfect, this becomes the ultimate goal. But today, Christians, we don't
1: have that goal. We have many other goals. My goal is to buy a house or, buy a, or have a mortgage. My goal is to go to school.
0: And all those things are good. We have nothing against them. But let all these goals be under the main goal. What's the main goal? The main goal for every believer listening to me tonight, the main goal is that we are pressing towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise,
1: God will reveal even this to you. So it will also take a matured mind to think like that. So apart
0: from having relationship with Christ Jesus where the springs of joy will flow up, it will also take maturity in mind to think like this. Amen. Any Christian you'll see who is very eternity-minded has a matured mind. Any Christian who is eternity-minded has truly experienced
1: and encountered joy. Truly. And it's more than happiness. It doesn't take
0: happiness to behave like this. It really takes a Christian having an encounter
1: with joy. That is it. Amen. So we pray that may we have a relationship with Christ and not religion.
0: And Paul stood at a place where he could he could look at the two things and bring tension. He was a man who was once religious and a man who want, who now has a relationship with Christ. He can stand in both places and bring tension to the story. That look. Religion is not going to produce joy. I had it. I boasted in it. I thought it was it all until I discovered Christ. And when I discovered Christ, I discovered that I will have to worship God in spirit. When I worship God in spirit, I rejoiced in Christ. That's joy. And because of that, he was able to have new discoveries and new desires. And I'm sure if Paul really had time, if he wanted to talk about the the desires he had as a priest, it would have been very different from this. Now, his desire, I want to know Christ. His desire, I I want to understand the significance of the events. And what events? The events at hand is the resurrection. I want to be a partaker. I want to, I want to,
1: um, I partake of the fellowship of his sufferings I want to be conformed to his death knowing who
0: I am positionally in Christ and I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead these were now his desires
1: based on two discoveries the first discovery was authors that were gave are done And I discovered that there is a higher righteousness. This is different
0: from righteousness of the law. This is righteousness, which is from God
1: of faith. Discovered that. It changed his whole desire. And ever since we've come to know God, are we also making certain discoveries? And uh, is it informing our desires? Because you can only come to that place when truly joy is being manifested in you.
0: Especially when it comes to the fifth one, that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. It's the price of the upward call in Christ Jesus. See, it's the price of the upward call. The price is that I will have a new body. The price is that... My mortal body will become immortal. The price is that this corrupt body will become incorruptible.
1: That's the of the upward call in Christ Jesus. This is what we should strive for. It is the evidence of the fruit of joy, and that's why
0: the fair. I think part one. I said that. An aspect of joy is when you
1: look forward to his appearing and to his coming. A Christian that cannot say, Lord, come quickly. Maranatha. (laughs) You've not really
0: reached that level of joy. Like I've said it over and over again. I remember when I used to hear that Lord is coming, I used to get very sad. And I I I was a Christian. I was I just get very sad. I mean, I felt like you've told me I had a terminal disease. That's how I felt. You know, like, wow. Why should he come? I've not married. I want to achieve things. I want to do... You know, like, Lord, you have
1: to wait. Let me achieve everything before you come. Truly, joy was not made perfect in me. That's why I was talking like that. That's a fact. But when joy is made perfect in you, that's not how you talk. You look forward, you press
0: on towards the price of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Amen. Have I achieved everything? No, I haven't achieved everything. I haven't. But it's okay if Christ comes. For me now, it's great news. Let him come. I don't really care anymore. What do you want? What do I mean? it doesn't matter anymore. I, I feel like that is the best interaction that can happen in life. Until then, we will continue to strive. Amen. So let's strive toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Joy you have experienced as a result of your relationship with Christ, will let you press toward that goal. And then maturity of mind will let you press toward that goal. Amen. And Paul says that if you think otherwise, then God will reveal it to you. So Paul leaves that to debate. I'm not telling you to take what I'm saying. If you think otherwise, I'm sure God will reveal it to you. Now, verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So Paul is saying that, okay, to to some degree, we may have achieved something, but let's still have the same mind of pressing on. So Paul is saying that to to some degree, we all may have reached a certain level of perfection. We we all may have made some major steps. We may have chalked some achievements in the spirit. Let's be of that same mind and continue to press on. Don't rest on your laurels. So that is what Paul is exalting. So now let's look at verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So now, Paul is encouraging the believers. Follow my example. And what was the
1: example? The example is from verses 7 to 12. Follow that example. Follow my example. Follow my example of
0: understanding all things that are gain. They are dank. Follow that example. I tell you the gospel truth. It's really dank. Follow that example. Follow that example of subscribing to the righteousness of God rather than the righteousness of the law. Follow that example. Follow that example of desiring to know Christ more and more. Follow that example of wanting to understand the significance of this event and the event is the resurrection. Follow my example that because I have experienced joy in Christ, it doesn't matter. I am prepared to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Follow my example that you and I will know who we are positionally in Christ. You know, I always find it funny that now for us to know who we are positionally in Christ, the episodes are written. But with Paul, how do we know who he was
1: positionally in Christ? He just had the Old Testament. How do you know who you are positionally
0: in Christ? How do you know that you are being made conformable to his death from the Old Testament? Because during Paul's time, the
1: only Bible that was available was Genesis to Malachi. That's the whole Bible. And yeah, Paul is saying, I'm striving to be conformed to his death. And that's being of the new creation. And they say, I'm striving
0: that I will attain to be part of the resurrection from the dead. And Paul is exhorting his people,
1: follow this example and let this be for you a pattern. Follow. And it's biblical. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow me as I follow Christ.
0: So Paul is enjoining the the people that he has apostolic oversight over, the church that, follow my example. As far as I am not deviating from the cross of Christ, follow my example. And, And Paul was even sad. He wrote this with such a passionate tone that there are some people who are enemies of the cross of Christ. I don't know what Bible version you use, but it puts colon there. So now he's going to explain the statements of what he means that people have become the enemies of Christ. You see, so the, the, the picture you get here is that Paul is saying, follow my example of the desires that I have, of the pursuits that I have. Follow that example and don't follow the enemies of the cross
1: of Christ. Because these are two examples that are in front of you. And Paul is saying, follow the example that I am exhibiting. I have heavily pursuits that is making me strive
0: towards the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So now, when we read this, Paul is now going to talk about Who are the enemies of the cross of Christ in context here? Whose end is destruction? So anybody who is an enemy of the cross of Christ, his end is destruction. Why? Because their God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things? Their God is their belly. In Ghana, we have a term, we say, Stomach Direction. I mean, and when you say Stomach Direction, that means you do things for pleasure.
1: Do you understand? Anything that you are doing, it is motivated by pleasure.
0: You know, so because the, 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 the Stomach, it's a figurative
1: term for pleasure. So Paul is saying that these people, they don't think of
0: heavenly things. Their God is their belly. They do things that will give them pleasure.
1: They are stomach-directed people, enemies of the cross of Christ. And they mind, earthly things. And Paul is saying that with weeping
0: that these people are enemies of the cross of Christ. And the reason why Paul is weeping is not because they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He's looking at their end. Their end is destruction. And their end is destruction because of what pursuits. Their God is their belly and their mind is on earthly things. Love not the things of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17.
1: Let's read it. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. It's better we read it than quote it. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Don't love the world. Now, when the Bible talks about the world, the world is in two
0: meanings in the Greek. The first Greek meaning is the word asin, the earth, physical habitation. The second meaning is the system and the culture that governs the world. So, when, when the Bible tells us that we should not love the world, it's not talking about the physical habitation of the world, it's talking about the system and the culture that fashions you to be called worldly. Don't be in love with that. So look at any system, anything that fashions, anything that uh, culturalizes this world, that makes it be called worldly. Don't be in love with that. Don't be in love with that. And sometimes Christians, we are very entangled with, with these things. And sometimes you see people trying to justify it with many things. Some people want to justify it with grace. The Bible says that don't love the things that is in the soul. So now it goes on to explain it further. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the lust of the flesh.
1: And that is what happened to these people, the last of the flesh. Their God is their belly. Anything that you do that you just think of pleasure,
0: it's the last of the flesh. You are not looking at it from an internal perspective, you don't look at the eternal ramifications, the last of the flesh. If it makes you feel good, I do it. But as a Christian, we have to learn how to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Don't live by the desires of your flesh. Because Paul once said something in your flesh is no good thing. If I'm right, it's in Romans chapter 7. There's no good thing in the flesh. So if you are going to run on the desires of your flesh, you are really being corrupted. Don't love the world. Don't love the things of the world. The last of the eyes. We should be careful the things we see. Job 1 says something. I think Job 31 verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Not to behold unholy things. The eyes. The last of the eyes.
1: The eye gate is leading many people to sin. Many people. Sexual immorality, one of the gates it would just need is just the eye gate. That's all. That's all. So if you are someone who is too curious, you're in trouble.
0: Amen. Last of the eyes. And then the pride of life.
1: Paul had it. Everything that Paul talked about. My education, where I come from, my reputation, is the pride of life. And Paul says that once
0: I I had a relationship with Christ where I experienced joy, I
1: realized all these things that were gained to me are done. The pride of life. When well, you have the pride of life, three things you will always talk about. Me, myself, and I. That's all. That's the pride of life. You
0: always want yourself to be the center of everything. Amen. And the Bible says that all these things is not of the Father,
1: but it's of the world. And this world is passing away, the system, the culture, all those things, the governance system
0: of this world will pass away, and the physical habitation of this world too will pass away, and the last of it, but who does the will of God abide so So what's the will of God here? The will of God is not to love the world or the things in the world. And Apostle Paul right now is talking about this with tears in his eyes. He's weeping, and he's saying that there are some people whose end is destruction
1: because they have made their belly their God. And they mind earthly things And when you when we have that attitude, We would not be able to strive
0: towards the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So like I'm saying, it's good to have goals. Maybe you want to be rich. Maybe you want to have a mortgage. Maybe you want to further your education. All that is good. But they should all be sub-goals under the main goal. And what's the main goal for every believer? The main goal for every believer is to press towards the upward call in Christ Jesus. That should be the main goal. So every believer has one main goal with many sub-goals. Did you all hear me? Every believer has one main goal. What? One main, not two goals. One main goal with sub-goals underneath. You don't have two goals because if you have two goals, you will easily lose focus. One main goal, one target. If sub goals underneath, so all those goals that you have, your earthly goals, I want to achieve that, I want to achieve that. Make them your sub goal, under, uh, Pressing towards the upward call
1: of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And for us to do that, it's joy. And then number two, we also need a matured mind. Amen.
0: So Paul really implicates himself here.
1: He's trying to tell us that when he was a lawyer, he didn't have a matured mind. Because it would take a matured mind to press towards
0: the goal of the upward calling Christ So religion doesn't graduate you. Religion doesn't make you grow. Religion doesn't mature you. It is a relationship with Christ that matures you.
1: And it's also a relationship with Christ that brings joy. Amen. For our citizenship, verse 20, is in heaven,
0: from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able, even to subdue all things
1: to himself. Glory to God. So Paul is saying that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly wait for the Savior.
0: This is joy here speaking. Joy means you are in eager anticipation of Jesus coming back who will glorify our bodies. He will transform our lowly bodies, as he says, and will conform it. To his glorious body. That is joy. Amen. So may we all attain. To be part of the resurrection. Don't just understand. The power of resurrection. But attain.
1: To being part. Of the resurrection. Amen. So today. We've looked at. One man's desire. And his desire was
0: that I will attain to be part of the resurrection from the dead. Amen. And for that to happen, joy has to speak. Joy has to be manifested. And then maturity of mind. Amen. So that's it for tonight. If you have any questions or
1: contribution, it is welcome. Amen. God bless you. Did we all understand today's lesson? I wanna know. All right, so one person so far, the rest of us, did we understand? Okay, one person is unmuted, what do you want to say? So our question has been asked, so is it only five goals from Paul? Okay, so is it only five desires from Paul? Nobody will answer. Okay, according to what we just read, yes Contextually speaking, yes. Is your question answered Attain to the resurrection from the dead. Amen. So, what one thing have you learned today? Anybody can talk. What one thing have you learned today? All right, I please. think I would say that. Sorry, can you hear me, please. Yeah, I can. Okay, so I think what what I would say is that um, aside all the achievements and all the things that we pursue on earth, um, the ultimate goal or the, or the most important goal should be that we will attain to the resurrection, like Paul, as we saw in the life of Paul, that he has so many things that he could boast about, but. Uh, because
0: he had his goal, his, uh, his, he had his
1: eyes on
0: the resurrection, he was able to write off every achievement and anything that he could boast of because he wanted to attain the resurrection. And so, whatever we are pursuing or whatever we set
1: our heart on to do, sure. the ultimate should be that we'll attain unto the resurrection. Let's like Paul.
0: Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Today is day twenty-one of our thirty for thirty prayer campaign. And our scripture reading is from Second
1: Peter chapter one, verse six. Second Peter chapter one, verse six. To knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. So we are,
0: uh, today's prayer topic is growth number three. And why this um, is important that believers we grow. Because when we have standard growth, it affects our witness especially since we've also declared this month as our month of friends and family, amen. So we are looking at certain things that when added to our faith, it will help us to be fruitful in the knowledge of Christ and we will also not be barren. So that's the scripture say? and these are called exceeding great and precious promises. And these exceeding great and precious promises, they make us partakers of God's divine nature. And they also help us to escape corruption that is in this world through us. We've looked at two so far, so today we are number three. Uh, the third one is self-control. So what's self-control? Self-control means continence or it means temperance. So in addition to knowledge, we are praying that may we receive temperance so that we can master our desires and passion. Amen. I believe today Paul's uh, testimony is, is a testimony of restraints. He was able to restrain desires and passions and everything and keen and lock in to what God had for him. And that was to press towards the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. So in the next four minutes, I just want us to pray that in addition to knowledge, may we receive temperance that we can master our desires and pleasure. Because our desires and passion, I'm sorry, because the Bible lets us know that if we walk according to the flesh, if we mind earthly things, uh, our end is destruction. Amen. And none of us here wants our end to be distraction. So Let's pray. Kababo Shabans on the Medusi and Kanda de Broski and on the Madosi and Kadabosha Kalabre Baba. لب رخو سنت سلام مزیک هامان دیر یا کدوسی کار بازی کلا باشد دلاباکو سر و سنت راست
2: سر و سر
0: Mosaic and in Teddy Catera.
2: Mosabantalia, the centenus,
0: centenus in Teddy
2: Cateraba. Tonamoza Cayanta,
0: Father, this evening we receive...
2: <inaudible>
0: ...of reception, O Lord. We receive temperance in <inaudible> addition to knowledge that we will be able to master our desires and passion. <inaudible> we thank you that our desires and passion will not master us, but we will
2: master...
0: <inaudible> <inaudible> we we'll be able to restrain our thoughts because of self-control. self-control. May we be okay. able to restrain our speech because of self-control. May we be able to restrain our temper because of self-control. self-control. May God we be God. able to restrain pleasures and, and pressures that will come upon us that will want us to take our eyes from the cross so, of Christ, because of self-control, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Saravasanta Tarava Santa. you. Saravasanta. Santa of a son Tara, of a son of Elitea de los Saraba, Santa, Oh,
0: Oh, Father, we thank you that we have received self-control in addition to knowledge. Father, we thank you that this week will be the evidence of our fruitful growth in our faith that of a truth we will not be barren. We thank you that we will be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ being made perfect be made useful and be made fit for every good work that you have for us. We thank you that all these graces, all these promises are abounding in our life. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God willing, we will meet tomorrow for 30 for 30 prayer campaign. Tomorrow will be day 22. And uh, our time will be at 7.30 p.m. So please note the time. 7.30 will be here and we'll be praying. God bless you and thank you
1: all for making time to attend to my service. Good night. Good night.